Welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. I'm Joni Abbott. I haven't been on in a hot minute, probably three or four years since I've hosted or co-hosted this uh, show. And I'm so grateful that you are here with me today. Robert's traveling. He's going to be checking in uh, in the next couple of hours as he can. But until then, you're stuck with me on the Joni train on the Robert Scott Bell Show today and along with Don. Um, so today we've got Barbara Lowe Fisher, one of the pioneers of vaccine education and raising awareness about them. She's going to share her story with us today for some of our newer listeners. And we're also going to get into what went wrong with Jenner's theory on vaccination and the story that you were never told as a consumer all these years with vaccination history and the, and that practice of vaccination. We're also going to go into a little bit about RFK Jr.'s opening statement to the House Judiciary Subcommittee hearing uh, this week, and it was phenomenal. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that, play some clips, and then in the second hour, we have Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. So keep it all here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, let's go. Let's do it. I'm Joni Avid in for Robert Scott Bell today. We've got a fascinating one hour coming up here with Barbara Lowe Fisher from the National Vaccine Information Center. She's a pioneer in uh, the vaccine education world. I know that I have such a special place in my heart for her as a mom who has chosen to not vaccinate her children and um, utilizing what an amazing resource she has built as a result of the 40 years that she's been in this movement. We're going to talk about the history of that and a lot of other history uh, regarding why we vaccinate. Um, where did we go wrong? How did it start out and where we are now and how did it get here? I think that's such an important conversation to have. I get a lot of new parents who ask me these questions. Unfortunately, sadly, after their child is vaccine injured, um, do they start to question vaccines? And Barbara's been just trying so hard, <laughs> her and so many others, um, trying to educate the, the, the entire nation and world on um, the preventative aspects of vaccine injury, um, exposing ingredients in vaccines that are uh, very harmful to our health and shedding light on studies and science that are saying otherwise, that maybe we should delay vaccines, maybe we should delay the schedule a little bit more or not vaccinate at all. And um, so, yeah, we're going to get into all of that with Barbara Lowe Fisher. But something interesting, you know, I, I drove to Florida, I'm on vacation right now. And during my drive, I finally got to hear the full length three hour podcast that RFK Jr. did, Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, did on the Joe Rogan show. And I thought that was well done. And so there's been a Kennedy theme. I brought the real Anthony Fauci book <laughs> to, to read while I'm at the beach. And then I had this opportunity yesterday to listen to his opening statement to the House Judiciary Subcommittee hearing on the weaponization of the federal government. It was all about censoring 
and then they censored him. I, I mean, I, I was driving and I was glad I didn't uh, get into an accident or anything when I was listening because I, it blows my mind how far we've come, how far we've come from this ability to have bipartisan conversations about freedom of speech, about freedom of religion, about our constitutional rights. And uh, Don, I know that you've got some clips that you uh, have piped up for me from yesterday's amazing opening And you statement. have no idea what these clips are. I don't. This, is, this, is, this is like yeah. clip roulette. We're just throwing you in the pool here, just going to see if you can swim. It's okay. I'm going to roll with the punches because I, <laughs> I really, really have been very invested and interested in freedom of speech. Um, so what I've been doing, uh, you know, I have, I'm not really doing homegrown health anymore. Uh, I really feel like I've outgrown that that part of my life as far as the podcast and what it is because my children are almost grown and I still want to share all of the information that I started with homegrown health. But, you know, I'm moving into more the legal aspects of of things. So I started out doing trial juries uh, or jury trials rather um, for medical malpractice and wrongful death because one of my health coaching clients uh, was also an attorney. And so we did really well uh, that first year. And I started getting phone calls from moms who, like me, have been in high conflict divorces. Hey, everyone watching today. Thank you so much for your comments. Hey, Lori. Um, and I started to realize the family court system is so broken. And when it comes to the topic of vaccines, um, I'm noticing we can present all the evidence in the world to them. And judges, many judges are still not making the, the correct decisions based on the evidence and exhibits that we are presenting. And it's heartbreaking to watch families go through this. And on the other hand, many organizations are completely silent on helping women and children in this arena. And it's a great concern to me right now because um, they are the ones that need the most help the most help. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk about some of that and some, I'm hoping to talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the judges rulings and some cases I've recently done with Barbara when we bring her on, but, um, back to, to Kennedy Jr. RFK. Um, I'm excited about what he had to say in that hearing yesterday, and I'm going to let you play whatever speech and then, or whichever part of the clip, and then we'll we go. Got, from we got, we got four clips and we'll see if we can okay. get through them. I don't, okay. don't want to keep Barbara waiting. For I don't want to keep but... Barbara waiting either. I'm just, yeah, the, yeah, this thing yesterday, I haven't had a chance to watch it from beginning to end yet. I've just seen it. In I parts. haven't either. But what I've seen, I'm just like, holy moly, this is this was was something else. Censorship. Uh, they, they, they just lost their minds during the pandemic on the whole censoring thing. And so it's become an issue that everybody's heard about now. Everybody's yes. talking about it. They're looking at it. They're listening to it. Um, and so anyway, he, he shows up at this, this hearing yesterday uh, about government censorship. And what do they do? They try to censor him. <laughs> Correct. How ironic is that? So yeah. So here's here's uh, here's just a a, a a clip here, a first clip of some of what RFK Jr. had to say yesterday. Oh, there, this is a letter, and many of you signed. Many of my fellow Democrats. I've spent my life in this party. I've devoted my life to the values of this party. There's 102 people signed this. This itself is evidence of the problem that this hearing was convened to address. This is an attempt to censor a censorship hearing. The, the, 
the charges in this. And, and by the way, censorship is antithetical to our party. It was, it was appalling to my father, to my uncle, to FDR, to Harry Truman, to Thomas Jefferson, as the chairman referred to. It is the basis for democracy. It sets us apart from all of the previous forms of government. We need to be able to talk, and, and the First Amendment was not written for easy speech. It was written for the speech that nobody likes you for. Yeah. Well, ain't that true? Ain't, it is ain't, true. Ain't, ain't, that, ain't that a fact? Right. And, and what I love about Kennedy's, um, I love that he looked his naysayers in the face. And yet he was able to kind of call that out right in person. I mean, it's really amazing to me. And by the way, for those of yeah. you who don't don't know, that letter that was written by the 102 people was to uh, to to try and keep him from being able to testify at this hearing. 102 Democrats, I believe it was all Democrats. Pretty sure it was party line uh, thing. Which you know, I mean, and this is and this is and I am I am an equal opportunity. Um, I'm I'm really independent when it comes to politics. I, I really am because, you know, in this case, for instance, you know, I agree with so much of what Kennedy has to say and share, and I, I align a lot with a lot with what he what he stands See, for. See, now I'm a conservative you know, leaning libertarian. Well, uh, I'm liberal. Well, I say but, independent, but you know, I I have a friend of mine. Who his name Jesse? He always says to me, Joni, are you sure you're not a libertarian? Because <laughs> yeah, what do you have well, to say? Yeah, and, but and I'm, I'm naturally, yeah. I am a, I, I, you know, I'll admit it. I, I do lean conservative. I do. I all, I mean, as do I on on certain topics. And when it comes to vaccines, but here's the thing. I mean, yeah. You look at Kennedy. He's an he's a a, a a classic. What they call a classic liberal. Okay, this this is the way the liberals. I don't. Liberals I don't. Work. I don't think that he is. In my Years opinion. ago, and what what's happened is they they've they, it, they've kind of flip flopped a little bit. Yeah. So what you've got, you know, what would be considered a classic liberal from from you know forty years ago, is now somebody that would be considered or appear to be a conservative, which is very right. odd and very weird to be to be. Uh, well, they, they change the definitions. They move the goalposts. And that's yeah. just like politics to do that. And yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love that that he was able to look his naysayers in the face and, and like, you guys know me and you still signed this. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. World? So I like know you, you were saying before the yeah. show that that uh, one of the things that you liked about what he had to say uh, was he was talking about we need to get back to everybody being nice to each other. And caring about each other and 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 having unity, right? Right. And so this is kind of where he. I jumped ahead a little bit on this on this clip here, but uh, this is where he's kind of talking. And it's very powerful, very powerful when you listen to this. It is. I know many of the people who wrote this letter. I don't believe there's a single person who signed this letter who believes I'm anti-Semitic. I do not believe that. There is no evidence of that. Now I want to say something. I think that's, that's more important, and it goes directly to what you talked about, ranking member, which is the, the, the need, the, the, this toxic polarization that is destroying our country today. And how do we deal with that? We are more, this kind of division is more dangerous for our country than any time since the American Civil War. And how do we deal with that? How are we going to, every Democrat on this committee believes that we need to end that polarization. Do you think you can do that by censoring people? I'm telling you, you cannot. 
you, that only aggravates and amplifies yep. the problem. That's it. The toxic polarization. I'm, you know, I've been learning about this through a teacher who's near and dear to my heart. I've mentioned her before, Liana Shanti, and she, she talks about the toxic polarization and how keeping us separate, keeping us um, with this illusion that we are separate from one another, that we are separate from what's happening, is is what is so. Um, dangerous, I guess. It's dark. And we, and Kennedy talks a lot about light and making light choices. And that goes into Barbara Lowe Fisher in her um, blog, that uh, her most recent blog, It Is Time to Declare Our Independence from Vaccinators. Um, she talks and quotes Thomas Jefferson that, you know, light and liberty go together. And I fully believe that with my whole heart. Um, so yeah, I don't know if uh, you have any other clips you want to play you know i'm gonna forego because i want to get barbara on i do too i, 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 I look like we're already 15 minutes I, in the show and i'm like i could go on and on about kennedy but did you, yeah, notice, you have a as, point? did you notice that as kennedy was sitting there saying these things and he was speaking to the ranking member who had previous to this had accused him of all these different things yes he's trying to talk to her and what is she doing She's sitting there probably like, she looked like she was writing down her grocery list or something on a piece of paper, you know, just like, just completely ignoring them. And that's just such a perfect example where he's talking about unity yes. and they just are going along with, with, uh, you know, wanting to make enemies. Well, and, and completely unfazed. And I, and I can't help but see the callous disregard. <laughs> yeah. Anybody remembers Andy Wakefield's book? Yeah. Um, you know, can't the callous disregard that they have for, uh, the emotion of the matter. It, it's almost as if, right, they have their own agenda to continue to push this very cold, callous, unfeeling, uh, unpassion. It's like not passionate. It's it's not connected. So like they're keeping the polarization going and Kennedy's here saying, hey, wait, we need to connect. We need to connect. And I don't, I really don't know that they have, that they have it in them. To, and to what other candidate running for president do you hear saying anything like that? You don't. None. None. Yeah. You don't. I, I haven't. And, you know, that is what um, him shedding the light that he is shedding gives me hope in yep. what our future could be as a country. All right. All right. Let's bring on Barbara Lowe Fisher because her passion about uh, everything that she stands for, everything she's been through, um, gives me all kinds of hope for people being able to stand in their sovereignty and their light and really make educated decisions for their health and the health of their children, which can really turn healthcare in this country completely over to uh, what true health is and true immunity. And so without any further ado, Barbara Lowe Fisher, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, thank you. So glad to be on and to do the interview with you. Thank you. I know this is this is our first time, and and I told you, you know, off camera here that that we have. I have been following your work for years. You have an excellent resource that I guide many people to when they ask um, for education on this topic. And um, Barbara, you've been doing this for forty years. And part of why we wanted to have you on the show today too is to introduce people to who you are, who who are new to the Robert Scott Bell Show, who are new to maybe my my realm as well, um, and talk about what God you into the National Vaccine Information Center, why it was born and, um, you know, what the 40 years has brought as far as things that you've seen, where, where it's gone. Because, you know, 40 years ago, you were talking about vaccines causing 
injury and death um, as you experienced in your son's case in 1980. And, and I'll just let you kind of take us through the chronology from there. Yeah, you know, I was a young first-time mother in the late 70s, had my first child in 1978, my little boy. And I, I, was, I was a college graduate. I thought I was an educated woman. I came from a family of doctors and nurses and medical professionals. And so I grew up talking science and medicine. Um, I did prepared childbirth classes, which was very radical back then. I did. Wow. I insisted on breastfeeding, which was radical because the doctors were all advising, uh, you know, bottle feeding. Uh, so I thought I was really up on things, but I never dreamed that vaccines could injure or kill children. It was just not even in my, I just, it just wasn't something that I ever would dream of. And so I took my little baby in and, uh, you know, he had a really severe reaction after his third DPT shot. Uh, it was a hard lump that came up at the side of the injection. What I didn't know, it was back then in Britain, that was a contraindication to further vex to pertussis vaccine. But anyway, um, the doctor, the nurse said, oh, it was a bad lot of DPT vaccine. Don't worry about it. And, and what was my reaction to that statement? My reaction was, should I bring him down for another one? Because I thought what she meant was it was too weak. I thought there was that it, it, it like it was expired or something, and I should bring him down for another one because I did not want my child to get sick. Right. Right. Uh, so I take him in for a fourth DPT shot at two and a half because I wanted to put him in a Mother's Day Out program, and there was a requirement he had to have four DPT shots. And so I take him in there, and he wasn't entirely well. He had just. Well, he was well, but he had just come off about with the flu three weeks earlier and they prescribed antibiotics. So he just finished antibiotics. So I bring him in and my mother was actually with me at, at that day. And they say, oh, he has to get DPT and oral polio vaccine. Well, for the first time in his life, because he was a really happy, precocious, bright baby, that, that kid fought with every bit of strength he had in his body to get away from that shot. It was crazy. Oh. And we held him down. My mother and I held him down. And the nurse gave him the polio vaccine. He spit it in her out. She gave him a second dose of oral polio vaccine. And then she gave him the DPT shot. Well, within four hours of that shot, it was very quiet in my house. I, you know, I, he usually was playing around and, you know, bubbling around where I, where I was. And I walked upstairs and I walked into his room and he was sitting in a rocking chair his, his face was white. His lips were slightly blue. I called out his name and his eyes rolled back into his head till I could see the whites of his eyes and his head fell to his shoulder like he'd fallen asleep sitting up. And I went over and I, Chris, Chris, you know, that was, he, he didn't awaken. And I picked him up and he was a dead weight and I put him in the bed and he laid there for hours without moving. And I, and I thought, well, he must be sick. He must be coming down with what he had before. He must be getting sick. You know, he needs to take a long nap. What I didn't know then was that he was undergoing a brain inflammation. He was, he had, he had had a convulsion, a collapse shock known as a hypotonic hyperresponsive episode, and he was laying in his bed unconscious. And I finally, my mother called and said, how's Chris? And I said, well, he slept for like six hours. She says, you have to wake him up. She was a nurse. You have to wake him up. So I tried to wake him up. And I put his head uh, into his back to my, my, my friend and I kept saying, Chris, Chris, Chris. Finally, he struggles awake. He couldn't speak, he couldn't walk. 
And he said bathroom, he had violent diarrhea. I put him, thank God I woke him up. I mean, yes. that made all the difference. He was undergoing a brain inflammation. I brought him to consciousness. And he went back to sleep. And then in the succeeding days and weeks, he regressed physically, mentally, emotionally, became a totally different child. And the doctor said, well, they didn't know what was wrong with him. That I just you know, needed to take him home and love him. Everything would be fine. But he, he never returned to the, to the, he couldn't do the things he could do before. He couldn't recognize words in the books we read together. He, he couldn't do the numbers up to 20 anymore. He, he was emotionally fragile. He couldn't concentrate. So when he was, a, to make a long story short, he was eventually diagnosed with minimal brain damage multiple learning disabilities and attention deficit that was so severe, he had to stay in a, self, a self-contained classroom, a special ed classroom throughout his public school education. This was a kid who was saying words of seven months, speaking right. in full sentences by the age of two, a very bright kid. This story that I have is repeated over and over again, yes. all across this country. But most parents do not know how to recognize a vaccine reaction, just like I didn't. Correct. And, you know, and, and as you heard me say in the opening statements here, opening, uh, opening statements, you can tell I've been in the courtroom for a while. Um, we, uh, that, that even pediatricians and doctors don't know how to recognize no. a vaccine injury. In, in the case that I did in New York, the pediatrician s- stated on the stand that she has never read a vaccine package insert. <laughs> uh, that doesn't surprise me. It, not me, me neither. But at the same time, to hear it, it's so sobering because you know there's yeah. there's children's lives at stake here, and the person you know recommending that they get vaccines doesn't even know how to identify, doesn't know the ingredients, doesn't even know what a risk factor looks like and how it presents because they don't even do the basic education yeah. doing their due diligence of reading a vaccine package insert. Now, before we, as we move on here for just a second, I wanted to ask you. How many vaccines were required in 1978 that your child get? And was that one of the first times that the combination vaccines were starting to be given? In, in 1982, when, you know, well, let me go back. 78, it was 23 doses of seven vaccines. Oral polio vaccine, diphtheria pertussis tetanus vaccine, DPT, and measles, bumps, and rubella vaccine, MMR, and the MMR vaccine, the measles, mumps, rubella had just been combined in 1978 into around 78 into one vaccine. It was separate vaccines before then. Okay, so the kids were getting DPT, five doses of DPT, five doses of oral polio vaccine, and uh, and one dose of MMR vaccine. That was what the schedule was back then. So in the 40 years that I've been here doing this work since '82 there have been 10 more vaccines added to the schedule and it's gone up to 72 doses of 17 vaccines given between the day of birth and age 18. Before it was 23 doses of seven vaccines given between two months and six years old. So today 52 doses are given of of, of 15 vaccines are given before age six. This is a an unbelievable change in the way that our children are experiencing the development of the immune and brain, immune system and brain, which develops most rapidly outside of the womb in the first three years of life. 
And it's the thing that is so just extremely disappointing and, and, and very frightening really is that, you know, we called for the studies to be done starting in 1982. We worked, my organization uh, is the organization that worked with Congress on the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. Yes, because in in 1982, you started connecting with other parents who had the same story, who had the same experience. That was a show that, that aired and it warned everybody. That was a show I saw. And I called the station and said, can I be put in touch with other parents? DPT vaccine roulette, which you still can get online through NBA. If you go to Rumble, DPT vaccine roulette, you should be able to get it. Um, but that that show was the first show, TV show, and the first warning to parents that vaccines could injure, brain injure and kill. And I called the station because when I saw that show, I knew what had happened to my son. Right. He wasn't as damaged as the children in that show, but I knew what had happened to him, yeah. you know, and my mother knew too. And and so uh, we, Congress, because the show caused a lot of controversy and, and we organized and formed the organization called the Satisfied Parents Together, DPT, because we wanted that vaccine off the market, the whole cell pertussis vaccine, because we knew Japan had already developed an acellular, less toxic pertussis vaccine called DTAP. And we wanted that for our babies, not the whole cell one that was had damaged and killed so right. many babies. And, and by the way, that one is still being used in Africa. Thank you to the Bill Gates Foundation. It, Just throwing that it, out there. It's Why still being used. And on the market is, is um, I, I mean, it's a human rights issue. Why that's even still on the market. I, I can't believe anyone in the world is allowing that to be used? It took 14 years of work to get the acellular vaccine in here, even though Japan had been using it. In 1982, they'd been using it for a couple of years. It took us 14 years to get a safer acellular pertussis vaccine for the babies in this country. What was it, the it, reason they gave you when you were tested, when you were testifying, you were talking to Congress, what, what reason would they give you as to why they wouldn't rush the acellular pertussis vaccine. They said it hadn't been studied enough and they needed to make sure uh, that it was studied right. So they kept running these trials all over the over the world, trying to, sh- to compare DPT and DTAP. And of course, all the comparisons showed that it was far less toxic than DPT. I mean, far less toxic. It Now, DTAP can still cause brain inflammation. It can still cause death but it, it, it does so less frequently than the whole cell pertussis vaccine. The other thing that we worked for was to get the oral polio vaccine off the market here yeah. and replaced by inactivated polio vaccine that can't give you vaccine strain polio. Right, and so the oral one, wasn't that that pink liquid? It was the drops that they put in the baby. It was orally given in drops. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I and, remember and, it as a child. That's why I was asking. Right. Yeah, when you said that, I immediately got um, like instant recall right. in the doctor's office. Yeah. So we did two things. We got a safer DTAP vaccine in here and we got a safer polio vaccine in here. Okay, so, you know, I was listening to the clips uh, with Kennedy and censorship. In, in the 1980s and 1990s, I did a lot of television debates with doctors. I testified in Congress in 1999. I testified in Congress in 2003. 
I remember that. Hepatitis yeah. B vaccine in 99 and on SV40 contamination of polio vaccines in 2003. I was asked to serve on vaccine advisor committees as a consumer member for more than 20 years at the Department of HHS, the uh, Department of Health and Human Services. I was on the Institute of Safety Forum at the, uh, the Vaccine Safety Forum at the Institute of Medicine for four years. I, I have a long history of working with government to try to inform them on what they needed to do to make the system safer. Okay, nevertheless, even though with all that history, in 2020, after we held the fifth international public conference on vaccination, which we had to hold online instead of at a hotel like we had planned because of the COVID pandemic emergency. Yeah. When I held that conference in October of 2020 online, within two months, I was attacked and MVIC, we were attacked globally by the Center for Countering Digital Hate, Imra Mohammed. And we were, we were, we, that the anti-vax playbook, which went all over the world, was saying that we were basically terrorists, that we were basically, uh, you know, we had to, we had to be stopped and we had to be censored and we, and the social media needed to take us off. Okay. Be, in, in 2021, between March and December of 2021, NVIC was removed from all four social media platforms. Yeah. And that was more than anyone else who was messaging on this topic, including Children's Health Defense and ICANN. We yes. were t completely taken off. And then in December, 21 Democrat House of Representatives, uh, 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 Representatives in the House of Representatives sent a letter to pay the CEO of PayPal and told them to take Barbara Fisher at MBIC, block donations to yeah. MBIC. And we only we had no notice. We were in the middle of our end of year fundraising campaign. We lost all of our monthly donors. But we were we were basically we were basically taken off of the internet. Now the thing is that the censorship began long before COVID. Yes. If you go back and look at it, in 2015 particularly, they decided they were going to try to shut this conversation down. And that measles outbreak in California, Disneyland, and, and then New York, they, they started this whole thing about we've got to get rid of this conversation. In, in January of 2019, when the World Health Organization declared vaccine hesitancy to be on the top 10, one of the top 10 threats to global health, that is when the censorship campaign really began in heavy, heavy duty. And that- Can we I go back to the, the measles outbreak real quick? Because for newer listeners, you know, th this is what they hear, right? The Disneyland measles outbreak, they hear a lot of the mainstream media narrative about the vaccines, measles outbreaks, or whatever the story or narrative is. And they're trying to disseminate like, okay, who do I believe? What what was that all about? And, and if you could just briefly touch on that so we can debunk that yeah. narrative a little bit. And, and yeah, then keep, we can keep going. Well, it was 2015 was round two with measles. Yes. Because yes. 1989, when they were only giving one MMR shot, they said there was outbreaks of measles and we needed another MMR shot. 
We needed two MMR shots. Okay. They did that whole dance. And that back in the late 80s, early 90s was when they started to do every child by two. All the kids got to get vaccinated by two. A real big push to get all the kids. Well, in 2015, they did round two on measles. Yeah. And Disneyland, I testified in the California legislature uh, in 2015. And I, I said, look, take a look at the numbers here in California. The majority, there, there were people who were vaccinated who were getting measles. Okay, that yeah. was one thing. But but they inflated the numbers. It, they made the, the media made it look like it was a bigger outbreak than it really was. And then you had New York come in with it in the uh, in the Jewish community in New York. Uh, they they said it was because they weren't vaccinating Orthodox Jewish communities in New York around New York City, and that made big headlines. So they they really were trying between 2015 and 2019. They were really trying to use measles to say that, that this was the the problem is that you can't have conversations about vaccine reactions and about vac- vaccination because other than taking the party line of the of the government and the, the companies and medical trade, right? because it's a threat to public health. And so everything was perfectly positioned for the COVID pandemic emergency because they'd done the prep work between 2015 and 2019 particularly. So this, this has been an ongoing agenda that's been kind of in the in the in the background for those of us researching vaccines i mean early 2000s we could see this stuff coming down the pike and that's why we tried to get ahead of it and tried to change legislation and try to um you know incorporate some kind of repeal even for the 1986 act which you know if you haven't seen the wakefield movie 1986theact.com you know your story is really prevalent in that movie um that was made let's go back to 1986 because you did mention that earlier you know, what happened in 1986 legally that granted, uh, you know, pharmaceutical companies basically <laughs> free reign and no liability. But there is a myth about that law. There is. Yes, there's a big myth about that law. Let's dispel that. Yeah, I, because it's really distressing to me. Okay. Um, because when we organized in 1982, the first thing that the four manufacturers of childhood vaccines did Merck, Connaught, Letterly, and Wyeth, who, by the way, are all still in business. They just have mergers and acquisitions. Right, and, and, they, and they've also all been charged criminally. I mean, the, 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 it is a myth that, 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 that the, uh, if you don't remove liability, you're going to drive everybody out of the business. That, was, that, that absolutely was, was a, a big myth because those companies merged and, 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 you know, together. So you had four companies back then, you now have 10 companies uh, selling childhood vaccines in this country. Uh, nobody went out of business and, and they didn't go out of business before 2011 when the U.S. Supreme Court, it was really the U.S. Supreme Court in 2011 that removed all liability because when that law was passed in 1986, the law that we helped, well, they, they said to us, we're going to, protect the vaccine supply in this country. Congress said, we're going to pass legislation. You can either come to the table and fight for what you think that the, the children should get, or you cannot come to the table, but we are going to pass this legislation. And so what did we do? We came to the table and fought as hard as we could yeah. for, the, for the families. And one thing we said was, you, we will not agree to any legislation that removes all liability from these vaccine manufacturers and the doctors. 
When the law was passed in 86, the doctors were still liable for medical malpractice, for injuring children, not paying attention to contraindications. They still had full liability in, in November of 1986. So did anyone like utilize that? Did anyone sue them? Were, were they, I mean, this is a little bit more history than I think I even realized. Uh, with some of this. So so did anyone get sued during that time? Well, because let me tell you what happened. First of all, the other thing that was true in November of 1986 when the law yeah. was passed and signed by Reagan, President Reagan, yeah. the, the companies had design defect liability. They got off on failure to warn, which was transferred to the CDC with the vaccine information statements, but they did not get off on product design defect. And that means if you have evidence they could have made the vaccine less reactive, you could sue them under product design defect. That was a big deal. And yeah. how big of a deal it would be if they still had that today, because you could sue for the mRNA vaccines design defect. Now, what happened within one year of the law passing, the same legislators that agreed to the deal in 1986, quietly without letting us know, we didn't know, they bowed to pressure from the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, all the medical trade groups, and they let the doctors off on medical malpractice. That was the first thing, within a year. Then in the succeeding uh, five to 10 years, they weakened the safety provisions, which it, uh, my, myself and a couple of other parents worked to get in that law. That is the vaccine informing, recording, reporting provisions and research provisions, including theirs. The Vaccine Average Event Reporting System is a direct result of our advocacy. And we insisted on a centralized system that everybody could report to. And has been played a very big role in the COVID story because 1.5 million adverse events to COVID vaccines out of 2.5 million adverse events on all vaccines that have been filed with theirs since 1990 when it became operational. Right, so, it shot right up the, the injury reporting. And you know, right. I, I have to tell you that in this, in this New York Supreme Court case that I did just this last year, um, when we tried to present the exhibit that we blew up the chart, when we tried to present that as evidence, the judge yelled at us and said, do you, are you saying that um, you're trying to say that these vaccines cause death? And we're like, uh, yeah. The U.S. Yeah. government says so. Yes. The 1986 law says so. Yes. Yes, you have some comments in the in the in the um, sidebar here on from listeners right now saying thank you for pushing to create bears. One of the yeah. most important things that you could have ever done, Barbara. Thank you. And they want to take it down. You I mark know. my words. They're going. They want to take that system down. They do not want. We insisted that people be able to report to bears, not just doctors. We insisted to be publicly transparent so that everybody could see what was being reported. They hate that. They want that, they want that to be over. And they don't and so want the transparency, right? And, and you know, there's a law, right? That you have to report a vaccine adverse event within the first seven days of vaccination. And this same case in New York, the children were forced vaccinated. Um, the judge refused to look at 
the blood work that the mom had to show their predisposition for a vaccine injury. And one of the children, EpiPen, you know, EpiPen and ER visit after they forced vaccinated him within five days and nobody would report it. Not one doctor. It's a federal requirement, but you see, they wouldn't let us put teeth into it in terms of punishments. And okay. what I think should be done is I yeah. think in every state, parents should go to their state legislators and say, we want punishments attached to not to doctors not reporting vaccine adverse events according to in, in compliance with the federal law. Yeah. It is on the books that they are supposed to be doing it, but they and don't. What would, they the, blow what would it those off. punishments look like? Would it be like a license review? Would it be finding? I think what it would be. Think they would be prevented from giving vaccines for a period of six months or a year, and that would like totally collapse the business. Right. 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 It so, would. you know, there are things that can be done. And, you know, so what I'm saying was the 1986 law, people say, take down the law. Oh, do you want to have no acknowledgement by government that vaccines can injure and kill? Because that would be what it would be. And you don't want VAERS and you don't want the vaccine information statement. You want none of the information. At least that law is acknowledging that vaccines can injure and kill. Now, it has been gutted tragically gutted the compensation yeah. program that was supposed to be an administrative program that was supposed to be if there was we worked on the table of compensable events what would constitute no no protest by hhs if you had these signs and symptoms of a vaccine reaction well what did hhs do under rulemaking authority they gutted the table they made it so that it was almost impossible to get an award through the federal compensation program. Why? HHS was opposed to the 1986 act from the very beginning to the very end. They did not want that law passed because they did not want government to acknowledge vaccines can injure and kill. So the same, or the, that department has worked the whole time to gut that law. NVIC believes that law should be returned to the where it was when it was passed in 86 and the doctor should be held liable and the company should be held liable for design defect. That's, you know, the law was actually a huge accomplishment. It was I, a huge I, accomplishment. I, I just think, you know, hearing it from this side of, of the fence, so to speak, hearing it from this side, brings and sheds new light on not only that law, but maybe the need to keep it instead of repeal it. I, I think it would be a disaster to repeal it. It needs to go back to the way it was. Let the, let the companies be liable for design defect. You'd have, you would have lawsuits on mRNA vaccines. Absolutely. That's, those aren't vaccines. Those are cell disruptor biologicals. They, they reprogram the cells to become vaccine manufacturing plants. You know, yeah. to, 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 you know, but, you know, really, if you look at all the vaccines, the problem is, is that the system has been progressively corrupted by too great of influence by industry in government. When I first well, the came people in, are for sale. They're, our government is putting us out there basically for like to each his own, like they're not protecting the people. No, they're not. They're not. They're doing the bidding of industry and medical trade. And, you know, it, it's the I call it the public health empire that's grown up over the last four decades, but particularly in the 21st century. And it's because Congress has failed to 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 be a watchdog. They failed to, to, to exercise oversight on the 1986 law. They failed to come in in 2011 in the Supreme Court and say, no, 
you cannot take away all liability from an industry where the product is mandated to be used at the state level. And of course, during COVID, the federal government told companies that had over a certain number of employees, they had to mandate the COVID vaccine. So we're now getting into adult mandates. The plan is that really and truly the plan is that nobody is going to be able to say no to any government recommended vaccine. That's what the industry wants. It's what medical trade wants. It's what government wants. And it's not just national anymore. It's global because the United Nations and the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum and the Gates Foundation and the Gavi, which represents all the global vaccine manufacturers and all the governments, the European Union, the China, our government, it is a public-private business partnership between government and industry. It's very lucrative. It is driven by the chemical industry, $4.7 trillion chemical industry, one of the oldest industries in, in, in history. Starting out with small, <laughs> chemical industry was involved in the smallpox vaccine program. Ooh, tell me a little bit more about that, because, you know, we know there's a lot of petrochemicals, you know, like when I first got turned on to petrochemicals in vaccines, it was during, you know, squalene um, and the experimental vaccines they were giving our soldiers in the 90s. Well, the chemical industry includes big companies like Dow, the pesticide companies, the plastics that are produced, the fertilizers, the uh, but part of the oil. Right. The $4.7 trillion chemical industry is the pharmaceutical industry. That is in the chemical industry. The pharmaceutical industry is a $1.5 trillion. In the U- we, in U.S., Americans consume the majority of drugs and vaccines produced by the pharmaceutical industry, which is part of the chemical industry. So it's a huge lobby, you know internationally yeah but the public i call the public health empire has really expanded since 2000 and if you look at the united nations and the world health organization you see this infusion of money from the gates foundation which is the largest non-government contributor to the world health organization which is the public health arm of, of the united nations right uh, and then you then you have Gavi, which represents the pharmaceutical companies of the world. You have these very wealthy um, institutions that are all just have decided that everybody's going to get all the vaccines that industry produces. And, you know, because it's an organizing tool, it was an organizing tool for smallpox vaccine. Right. Nothing's really different. Nothing's really different. They just got bigger and have more vaccines. Correct. You know, I mean, no, there's been no progression. And, you know, I was listening to your video uh, on the blog that you wrote on um, it is time to declare our independence from the vaccinators um, at NBIC.org for your reference. Um, But when I was listening to your your talk there and, and reading everything, one of the things that struck me was everything, um, Going back to Jenner, the um, the agenda back then, 
And, and I, it's like, this is an archaic system. This is an archaic way to look at the immune system. As much as we have discovered since Jenner, epigenetics, the study of the microbiome, the gut microbiome, we, we, can, we have microscopes that are like way more high power than what they were back then. Our medical technology has advanced, but yet this same system is here. And there's been no greater advancement from that theory. So what was it about Jenner and that theory that has stayed for, for so long, for hundreds of years? Well, if I get real philosophical, I believe, you know, certainly you had the, the doctors, right? The white coats, the medicine men yes. who were going to save the world from smallpox. And Jenner was just a country doctor. He was a doctor. He just decided, hey, you know, the milkmaids don't get sick from, doesn't, don't seem to get smallpox as often. So let's take, they get cowpox. Let's take pus from the cowpox lesions and let's scratch it into the arms of children to try to prevent smallpox. Well, right there, there's your first medical, unethical medical <laughs> experimentation on children. And it's still ongoing today. Like, Correct. like nobody at that time thought maybe that's not a great idea. Like what parents no, I mean, I here, can, I can my children do this? <laughs> I can understand why they might. Smallpox was a terrible disease. I mean, at, at its height in the middle ages, it was killing 30% of people who got it. It was disfiguring people. I can understand why there was an attempt to try to figure out how you could minimize that. But what they did is they made a business out of it real soon. Yes. Okay. It, it went from being being the sort of, let's see what happens yeah. to being a business. And the chemical companies in the medical profession, the public health doctors who were employed by government joined together and decided everybody's got to do it. All the kids. And they didn't, you know, these, these parents back then were, were, were distraught. They were complaining just like we were complaining on DPT vaccine. The yeah. parents in the 1800s and early 1900s were protesting the, the mandatory smallpox vaccination. They were pioneers. They, they, we, we are on their shoulders. Yes, yes. And so, it, but the, what is fascinating when you look at the history, look at what they were saying. And some scientists, Alfred uh, Wallace, Russell Wallace out of Britain, a, a great scientist, they were saying, look, the sign, you haven't really studied this enough. It, it's causing a lot of reactions. But what did the infrastructure do? What did the government do? What did the public health officials and doctors do? For the greater good, we, we need to do it. Okay, so some of these people get hurt, but you know what? To eradicate smallpox, we gotta do it. And that's the, that's the mentality they've had ever since. Yeah, and, and, and the virtue signaling of it all, triggering the moral, argument versus what scientific data shows because as you as you pointed out in this video on your blog that um jenner was like hey it's lifelong immunity a hundred percent and you know one of the things that i realized is like you know back then their stories changed and they kept moving the goalposts same thing that fauci did during covid oh no i, I mean john pitcairn who was an industrialist in pennsylvania and a philanthropist smart guy he testified in Pennsylvania, I think it was in the early 19, uh, early 20th century, and he said, you know, Jenner just insisted that that this smallpox uh, vaccine was going to be lifelong, and it gave you lifelong immunity. It didn't give you lifelong immunity, and it came down to like seven-month immunity. It kept getting lowered, lowered, lowered in the Spanish-American War. They, it, was, it lasted about seven months, you know, if that. 
so, you know, the vaccines it, haven't just had a problem with reactivity, but this myth that when you get vaccinated, you're going to be pretty much guaranteed that you won't get infected and transmit is just not true. And it's not just for COVID vaccines right. that that is true for. It's right. for other vaccines. Pertussis vaccine, whole cell pertussis vaccine was like ranged from like 37% to 80% effectiveness. It was leaky. You, you could get vaccinated and still get asymptomatically infected and transmit. You can do the same with measles vaccine, with varicella zoster vaccine, with polio, all of them. So, you know, it's just that it's not talked about. Right. And I've always wondered, why are they not measuring how many people in our society are getting vaccinated and still getting infected with the organism? Well, and that's they that is do that. vaccination by proxy, right? Like it's it's the, I think they know that shedding occurs. I think they are well aware that the people who say no to vaccination are still at risk for being vaccinated via the shedding of people who are getting vaccinated. It depends upon the vaccine in terms of shedding. It, it does. Because not vaccine. all vaccines have that, correct? Right. But correct. no, that's a point well taken. I mean, I, I guess the bottom line is Jenner didn't know how to do the science. Okay. Right. But we do know how to do the science. And, and that's why, you know, when I would testify at the Institute of Medicine and what I would present at the Department of Health and Human Services, I always ask for bench science, biological mechanism science. That is the real science where you get out the microscope and you look at the cells and molecules. What the CDC wants to do, what the public health empire wants to do is they want to look at groups of people and compare them to each other. Well, okay, if you were trying to do it right, epidemiological, it's called epidemiological science. Yes. Well, you, what you would do is you would say, okay, I'm gonna vaccinate this group and I'm not gonna give this group a vaccine. You wouldn't right. give this other group of vac another type of vaccine, especially experimental, and then try to compare the two groups because you're that's a biologically active pr pro product. It's not a placebo. Right. When I was sitting on the FDA committee uh, back in the 1990s, the Gardasil vaccine, the HPV vaccine came through. Same thing with, um, oh God, was it pneumococcal? They were not using proper placebos. They yeah. love to compare two experimental vaccines against each other. Yes. If you don't know the reactivity of either of those vaccines, how in the world can you figure anything out? With Gardasil vaccine, they used an aluminum-containing placebo. Aluminum is in the Gardasil vaccine, and aluminum is a neurotoxin. Yes. I, oh, I, I wish I had like four more hours to have these conversations with you, especially because the one of the expert witnesses for the other side of the case I was in, she talked about, you know, aluminum and food being more toxic than aluminum adjuvants in vaccines. And I'm just like, oh, like eating versus injecting. Yes. That's not a difference. <laughs> Ingesting versus injecting. Yes, I know. I, I was like, this is insane. So we only have a few more minutes, a couple more minutes before we have to wrap up. I can't believe how fast this hour has gone by, Barbara. Um, thank you so much for being on here. But when you were talking about the vaccinated, unvaccinated study, we have a special guest who just joined us. Hey, Barbara. Oh, hi. You do get to see him. Hey, Yay. Barbara, welcome oh. to your show. 
<laughs> yes, thank you, Joni and, and Barbara. It's so nice to see you, and I'm so grateful jo- uh, Joni got to hang out with you as yeah, much as I fun. love hanging out with you. But you guys are awesome, and I just got made it to Belleville, Ohio, after having to sleep on the floor in Austin Airport overnight to catch a flight. It was crazy, oh. but uh, I-, I know you guys did great together, and I can't wait to see it later. Well, it's good to see your face. We've been around a long time. We'll have to, to go down memory lane one day. <laughs> Absolutely. Big hugs. You are so special. Ah, thank you, Robert. Barbara, it's good to thank see you. you. Thank you so much for Thanks, being Johnny. such a wonderful guest. Um, I wanted just to see if I could leave you with some parting words really quickly on, you know, parents listening, what are the best resources that they can find at nvic.org to um, really settle that question for themselves? Yeah, well, I mean, and we have four websites. nvic.org is our, is our mothership. Uh, it's over 2,000 pages, so it's a big resource, a lot of referenced information, a lot of scientific studies that I've referenced over the years of my commentaries for sure. Uh, but also nvicadvocacy.org, that is our activist uh, website where you can learn how to work with your state legislators. We actually help to stop the vaccine, COVID vaccine mandate. No state legislature in this country voted to 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 uh, mandate the COVID vaccine in part because we have been in the legislatures for more than 10 years, educating them about informed consent and about being able to make choices. And then we've got the vaccinereaction.org, which is a a weekly journal newspaper. And we've got medalerts.org, which is the vaccine adverse event reporting system, user-friendly search engine that we've been, uh, oh gosh, it's been around since 2006. Well, thank you. Thank you for all your hard work. Your your work is is um, near and dear to my heart and so many others. And I, I know Robert feels the same. And we um, just thank you for being a part of the show today. Thank you for continuing to, you know, head be at the helm of this of this fight in the world to to shine light and truth on not only the vaccine industry but healthcare, public health, and uh, you know laws, <laughs> laws, yes. politicians, all the things that you do. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. You're a national Bye-bye. treasure. I appreciate yes, you so you are. much. National treasure, absolutely. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. So guess what? Next hour we're going to be joined by another old friend. He's, Michael he's not, Bolden he, from the 10th so. Amendment Center. Yes, yes. I, I mean, can't who, wait. Who, who doesn't love Michael Bolden? Don't you want to just squeeze his cheeks when you see I him? I do. I mean, if I could see him more than once every several years, I probably would. I mean, exactly. <laughs> which cheeks exactly. are you referring to? No, that's not even on, a, the ones what, on his head. <laughs> why is that even a question? Of course, his butt cheeks. Wait, no, who said that? You that question, Robert. He knows not to ask me that question. I'm good. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All right. Well, hey, I made it back, and and we're at the top of the hour break. Anything you want to fill me in on? We'll just go into the second hour after the top of the hour break. Oh, what do I want to fill you in on? Other than, you know, I've I've got a little bit of burn going on from being outside. I've got my Power to Heal is your shirt on. I had to to wear and and encompass the whole Robert Scott Bell experience today. You're so awesome for doing this on your vacation, Joni. Uh, I just, I'm just like blown away. Not that I... Yeah, I'm so, the story, the story goes like this. Last night I'm getting ready for bed and mm-hmm. you come to mind very strongly. Like, I, I mean, I started getting into like previous shows that I've done and really mm-hmm. thinking about you. I lay down and you text me. Yeah. And I was I, like, 
Yeah. It's, it's how it works. And I asked you, I was like, what were you doing up so late? Were you like, you know, it's a vacation thing or did you expect me to call? And you said, no, I was thinking you were going to call. So <laughs> there it was while I'm getting waylaid and, and just, you know, diverted on planes everywhere. We could talk more about that with Michael Bolden in the second hour. He poor guy. I think he might not even have air conditioning. So he's going to be sweating without the sunburn uh, in L.A. Next <laughs> Oh, well, that's okay. We'll keep it cool. We'll keep it cool on the Robert Scott Bell Show, where the power to heal is yours. <laughs>
Listen to this. I'm second fiddle or second banana to this guy. Michael Bolden's back on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Joni Abbott and Super Don. A great reunion here. I can't believe this exists. We should just uh, hang out. Oh, totally. We can do that. I, I want to be like, so what you up to, Michael? What's been all going on in your this world? This is going to be like a five-hour show. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Robert have to get to a... Uh, yeah, you guys will carry on without me. It's fine. Uh, I I just... Uh, do you by, by the way, do you have AC today? Because I, I know you're sweltering there. And, uh, I do seven, not. 75 degrees and no humidity. Poor Michael Bolden. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm not rich enough to live like that. <laughs> oh, oh, that how hot Michael? is it in L.A. right now? Yeah. It's like 92 today. Dude. Mm-hmm. So I, well, mean, I guess with no A.C., that sucks. It could be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. only been nine days without air conditioning. And uh, it's, yeah, it could be worse. I feel bad for the people in Phoenix right now. I oh. mean, it could be. I was talking to my mom It was like, what, 118 night. the other day, I think? Yeah, I was talking to my mom last night, and she's like, oh, you poor thing. And I'm like, well, yeah, I like hearing that. Um, (laughs) I love you, Mom. You're the best. Oh, Mom. But I'm grateful that I don't live in Phoenix like my Mm -hmm. brother used to do. Yep. Your your brother and you look oddly alike. They do. Very much so. He's better and more intelligent. I don't know. You're pretty intelligent. Well, he's he just, never heard me say that, but I know he, he's not going to watch this. So right, right. I was wondering if who would dispute that. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, so, what do you guys want to talk about? I don't know. Hi, Lori Joni. says, "Bring up your hi, volume. Robert. So. Hi, Don. I feel mm-hmm. like we're just all can you out turn your gain lunch. up a little bit? Me? Yeah. Uh, Apparently. Well, we're having lunch with everyone listening, and I think well, that's really cool to bring them okay. into the kind of normal conversations that we would have anyway. Uh, I think it's kind of really cool for the for, for this them is a family f- friendly program. Oh, oh there, there it is. is. There it is. Whoa. Yeah, and yeah. and if if Joni's having lunch, is it a placenta sandwich? No. Oh. <laughs> we're gonna go from that to urine therapy. I get uh, no to, urine. No urine therapy. To I'm pills. Heck, man. Uh, now, where did favorite, that come from? <laughs> my favorite topic to talk about these days has been coffee enemas, like nobody's uh, business. And I've even considered opening a business called Whole Ass Holistic Health because, mm, you know, nobody's going to have to wonder what? about. You want to call what? It what? <laughs> you want Name it what? Whole Ass. Whole Ass. Whole Ass. ass. Yeah, W-H-O-L-E, I, right? Every time. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to like, that's my idea. First, because we're going to be doing coffee enemas. Yeah, you already know what's happening. Two, mm-hmm. nobody's going to have to wonder what kind of effort I require to coach them. With. It's not your normal coffee shop. That's no. right. You could serve like little meals on the side, like make it a little cafe setting, oh. free Wi-Fi. <laughs> Just casually doing coffee enemas. Yes. I don't want to. I don't want to hear that. I, I <laughs> do not want to hear that. Did you hear that Super Don finally did one? <gasps> yeah, a paper one. Yeah, because we had a see. Well, look, he wrote it on a piece of paper and put it in his pocket. I saved said, it. I saved I, it. Yeah, because Robert was doing this thing where he was talking about in in home, homeopathy. There's this thing called paper remedies where you actually write it on the piece of paper. So I, I was like, okay. So I wrote coffee enema on the paper. Okay. What is okay. it, Michael Bolden? Pick me. Uh, 
<laughs> can I admit I've never had a coffee enema? You can admit that, um, but I guess I would want to but. say why. <laughs> but, yes. but, but why? Why would you drink your coffee when you can put it elsewhere? Mm-hmm. I would like to put it elsewhere. I just don't have. What kind of logic is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's going in one way or the other. Why would you just eat a cheeseburger when you can? No, no. <laughs> I, 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 I just stop at that. Got to live large. There man. was a South Park episode like this. If we want to get Aspergers, into yes. Yeah. Oh my! God. I remember that. Oh my yes. gosh. So, Michael, I, I would be happy to coach you on on how to do one and what they're for and all of the God. wonderful health benefits. Um, the I'm not opposed. Yeah, I'm not opposed yeah. whatsoever. I've just it's the best vitamin of my day. Yeah, I did a Hawaiian saltwater cleanse some years ago. Are you guys familiar with this? Is that also? I am not, but I can imagine. Yeah, you do some kind of like a, like a gray salt. I can't remember what kind of salt it was, Celtic but you sea, that's Celtic sea salt. We're okay. Gray. And you drink a ton of salt water until you feel like you're going to explode. And then you think it's going to be no problem, but you keep swelling up because of the sodium over time. And within a few hours, it's basically like having an enema. Wow. So it was a cleanse. Isn't that a little hard on your kidneys, though? I mean, it was it was horrible, probably on my kidneys. It felt horrible on my emotional state. I was like punching walls. I was like just this was one of the worst experiences that I've ever had, which is why, like, I'm into the idea of a cleanse. I've done juice cleanses and things like that. I've just never done the reverse version of it, the reverse osmosis version of it. And I think I'm probably overdue. Yeah. The coffee enema thing, you know, a lot of people don't realize that it's not about poop. It's not about relieving yourself of, of colon blockages. It's about I don't have that. cleansing your liver. I don't think you have a problem with that either, <laughs> no, Michael. No. Some people might say you're full of it, but I know about it. <laughs> no, it's all I out. I throw it. that all out everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, these cle- the, the coffee enema is uh, just the best vitamin you could take every day for your health, in, in my opinion. You just don't take it by mouth. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I definitely am on board with the idea of a cleanse. It just happened. Well, yet. speaking of coffee, Superdon will be proud of me this morning. Of course, I, I, I tried to sleep for a couple of hours when I got off the plane at like 3.30 or 4 in the morning, central time at the time, and then I, I had to wait till like a 9.40 flight, and I'm like, I'm going to lay down on the, on the floor and just, oh, man, it wasn't like when I was in college and it didn't matter. But I got up and I found uh, – a place that served certified organic shade grown, I mean, like top line coffee. And I actually got one. This is, uh, you know, I've been doing on the, on the fast. I do like tea or coffee and a cardio miracle with that. But uh, it was actually the best coffee I've ever had in an airport, probably ranking right up there with anything. I was like not expecting that. So it was like nice. a nice treat this morning. That's awesome. As I mentioned on the last Michael Bolden appearance on the Robert Scott Bell show, Mm -hmm. I've recently switched away from coffee. I was like a two to four coffees a day type of person, but in concentrate form. I don't even like I would get uh, cold brew concentrate Mm -hmm. and just drink it straight because it's amazing. And um, your adrenals and heart were like, yeah, probably. (laughs) And, you know, my father passed away due to not taking care of his blood pressure and his blood flow and things like that. So I've really been thinking about this as I'm 50 now, thinking a lot about, you know, so I've really ramped up my cardio miracle. And so now my morning. I was just going to ask you if you yeah, want yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So my yeah. daily coffee now is a scoop of organic matcha and a scoop of 
of um, Cardio Miracle together. And nice. I noticed, I noticed that literally, and I think that only has like 35 milligrams of caffeine compared to the probably hundreds of milligrams of caffeine I was getting in coffee. And I was crashing every day around three o'clock. I don't at all yeah. anymore. Like nice. I don't get as much energy and I'm a, kind of a hyper dude as it is. So I probably don't need all that extra energy. Uh, but I'm noticing that I just don't crash at all anymore. Switching well, to the and the nitric oxide from Probably. the beets and the the formulations in Cardio Miracle because I've read the ingredients and I know John and I know Stanford and I just think they're amazing people. They are sweethearts and and the mission for why they started Cardio Miracle in the first place. Like I love nothing more than a business started with passion in the yeah. right place and really wanting to help people. And I, that's all they are, you know, to me. So, um, and including some of the other endeavors that they have going on in this world. And so, I mean, gosh, just just the the oxygenation, the stamina, the endurance, the, the, mm -hmm. the health of what nitric oxide brings to your body. Of course, you wouldn't crash at 3 p.m. And you're oh, so that's hot. actually that is actually helping with the energy level, too. Yes. I didn't even think of it like that. I was yes, just thinking, oh, I don't want to get a stroke when I'm 70. <laughs> so that's cool. That's really cool to know. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to go. The, my plan was to get here last night, get up and go to the the gym and kickbox my way into the into the day, uh, and of course that didn't happen. But uh, I, I plan to do that tomorrow morning. But it's interesting on the coffee front because I was very much uh, someone who would drink coffee not as a regular thing, as a delicacy, and I had to do it very medicinally because it, it would get me wiry and jittery. Yeah. I, I don't know why. Again, me metabolically speaking. Even on a fast today, I was noticing, I was watching, observing my own body in, in a fast state to do that this morning, steady as a rock. So there obviously things have changed over the course of my lifetime. We know, you know, for those of yes, you who've been with me for a while. Yes, from when you were time. sick. To, yeah. So let me, let me tell you this. So I'm, you know, you know, I'm, I'm going to Health Mastery Institute to learn mm -hmm. more on nutrition and food as detox and plant, plant-based whole foods nutrition. And one of the things I learned in her extensive liver um, liver class, a liver module is that you have the two phases in your liver, phase one and phase two. And usually if you have the jittery um, feeling with caffeine and it really throws you off, there's usually a, a detox pathway issue in the phase one of your liver where that conversion of, you know, fat soluble toxins, you add a molecule and it gets turned into water soluble, yeah. um, then it moves on into phase two. So usually there's some kind of dysregulation or something happening in that phase one scenario. And you know what I learned that cardamom, the spice, yep. and I started when I used to drink coffee, I started gravitating towards dirty chais because mm. chai tea actually has cardamom in it. And instinctually, right. I started, but cardamom helps with that. It helps. Cardamom coffee is great too. I've yeah. never had cardamom coffee, but it's yeah. amazing. What about dandelion? If we're talking about liver issues, I've been cranking up my dandelion. Dandelion is amazing. So is yeah. milk thistle, you know, yeah. but you know, again, the coffee enema helps to increase glutathione by six to 700% when you do that. And that's the master antioxidant that grabs, you know, your whole entire blood supply goes through your liver, you know, five mm -hmm. times in the 15 minutes you're holding, you're holding it in. Now, hold on, Joni. I want to go back to the phase one because that was a brilliant uh, analysis. And, and it tells me, again, of my improvement over years. Yes. Of, you know, because I had the liver congestion issues, phase one and two. And what have I done more recently in the last couple of years? Really ramped up the copper. Guess what? Copper, phase one. 
it's critical for the phase one. So in addition, dandelion has been a mainstay of my morning starting point, whether it's with mate or other things as well. And I have a, you know, a blend of mate and a, a, Dandy a dandelion. Dandy blend is another, yeah. 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 So uh, indeed, the, these things, Michael, for me, have been great. We've seen how dandelion impacts over the last few years with COVID-related stuff as well. It's very impactful in a, in a positive way. But for me, the copper in phase one was significant. And you mentioned cardamom as well, which I love. Uh, and, and, you know, whether it's in tea or coffee or whatever, as yeah. another medicinal herb that's nutritious. Maybe, I don't know if it has copper in it or something, but it sounds like it, cardamom, coppermum. I don't know. I love how I'm, ba- I'm basically a test patient on the show every two weeks. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I mean, my I'm gosh. Do- I'm doing the copper now, too. And mm-hmm. so, so I'm doing copper now. I'm doing... I started with one table soon a day in the morning because I was being cheap. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, ah... All right, I'm ramping it up. up to two. I'm doing yeah. two. And I know you were talking, Robert, maybe one or two days ago, how you could really, like in the load phase is how you mentioned yeah. it, really it's go to It's an investment initially. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it, is, it is pricey when you're on that for a long time. But I found that people, if they just load it fast in the beginning, they see this significant impact. And then they can go down to that two or even one a day as a maintenance and see a significance. But it really is about recovering from perhaps years or a lifetime of deficiency of that mineral in terms of its bioactive state for all the pathways that it supports, including now, as we talk in phase one detox pathways. So uh, it is, uh, as we learn about these things, this thing comes out new and we're like, all right, let's learn about how to use it. We talk to people. I do a lot, doctors and lay people as well. It gives us the insight of how it's impacting people's lives in, in real time as opposed to the theoretical of it. So I'm loving well, what I'm hearing. Well, and let's talk about copper as from like when you find it in like a, a mineral salt, right? And you're ingesting mm-hmm. it that from that perspective versus taking the, the hydrosol. So like, can you break down how it's absorbed and how it works in the body differently mm-hmm. than you know, how it's most commonly consumed or not consumed? Yeah. Well, in in the normal state where we'd get copper from liver or other things that would contain copper, uh, maybe 30 to 40% is actually digested and absorbable. And of that, not of not a lot of that's bioactive. Does of that vary the- on the source, though? So if you're getting liver versus... Uh, like a beef liver versus a sure. chicken liver versus organic versus not... Yeah, I mean, the, the levels are measurably different. And of course, the form of it, chicken livers are not as high in copper, obviously, mm. as the beef liver, for instance. But again, even then, it's a, it's a digestive process, breakdown, assimilation, they've determined, you know, through a lot of years of analysis, that it's not efficient as what we've leapt to with this well, bioactive. Mean- doesn't that depend on like the enzymatic issue, the enzymatic absorption sure. levels in the stomach? It depends on their pH. It depends on whether or not their gut microbiome. Absolutely, not yeah. Gut, not candied, you know, not like you know. There's all the things like we are what we absorb too. So just because you're taking in a nutrient doesn't always mean that your body Correct. is properly absorbing, assimilating, and using that energy as well. Right. So getting it in in this fractional form in terms of percentage of, of what we would normally consider what we need, because it's not in a process of digestion that is actually required when it's in that copper one, copper two state, mucosal delivery right into the blood, lymph, etc. And so there's no waste. There's no inefficiencies. And in that way, micrograms or almost homeopathic levels provide tremendous benefit beyond the numbers, right? And then I think you'll see these processes come back on like Joni you're referring to so that we can get it from dietary sources. But remember the the measurements in the soils of all the minerals tested, copper was the worst 
about almost between 70 and 80 percent reduced. Worse than selenium, huh? Yes, worse than selenium even. Yeah, significantly worse. So it, it becomes a real issue of we're not only not eating copper-rich foods, we're told to avoid copper, we're taking too much zinc and vitamin C if we're doing that, and it's depleting mm -hmm. it. For, so it's a, it's a disaster in the making, and it has been uh, – it set the stage for, I think, the worst of what COVID has done as well and made everything worse. Yeah. And then, okay. So Leslie Ann has a question. How long does a typical copper loading dose take? Uh, well, to see the benefits very quick. I mean, within a few days when you're on a loading phase to see shifts in met metabolic functions that give you, you know, whether it be energy, inflammation, pain, things like that, very uh, visible. I would say if you're not seeing something in a loading phase within two weeks, we're missing something because that is how fast I'm seeing it as it's now been on the market for almost two years. Uh, so, at that three a day. And, and some people have gone with severe inflammation, you know, I, I had results with higher. inflammation on just one tablespoon a day, mm -hmm. almost immediately. What yeah. did you notice, like, Michael? Oh, well, I mean, I just, re I'm in the recovery process of a herniated disc in my back, which can be pretty awful. And yeah. so I'm like, Oh, I'm going to just start taking everything that everybody recommends on the Robert Scott Bell show. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, you know, and Robert's been talking about, um, uh, the copper hydrosol, is that how you say it? Yes. Uh, for quite some time. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to just do this. And maybe it's placebo, maybe it isn't, but literally the first day I started taking it within about a half hour, I started feeling pain subside just more tolerable. And that's part of why I've also ramped it up recently too, because I'm noticing that it's helping improve. And a lot of the, I mean, the disc herniation issue is really, it's inflammation of a disc yeah. pressing against, pressing against the nerve. So I feel like I'm getting results out of it. I mean, mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't care if I'm not because I'm getting better while I'm taking it. Well, and that's the systemic cytokine storm scenario, right? I'm mean, talking about immune response, inflammation response, where, where silver works site specifically primarily on an injury, a wound, a cut, a scrape, a burn. Mm. Copper is the systemic pathway of all inflammatory response in addition to connective tissue integrity along with silica. So it, it makes sense, of course, as we understand these pathways more and how absent it has been when you suddenly bring it in, even in minute doses, if it's bioactive that you could see things that quickly. Wow. Wow. I'm glad that you're feeling better. And I'm sorry about your herniated disc. Oh, it's just going to make me stronger in the law. I'm going to be so much okay. healthier when I'm all done with this because I've improved my no, exercise. But, you know, I'm, walking, I'm walking five miles a day now. So it's, I'm wow. literally take, I think I thought if, if you would have asked me two, three years ago, how are you doing on your health, your nutrition? I would have said, I'm probably better than most people that I know easily. And I probably was. But now I look now I look at what I'm doing in response to an injury to try to take even better care of myself, work on my core, uh, remove. I've almost cut out. Other than, once in a while, I still get a crazy sugar, sugar craving. But I'm not like a, a sugar fiend like I have been in the past. And I think yeah. all these things are really just going to improve me in a more holistic way so uh, a future problem is going to be easier for me to deal with as well wow should we well, talk can I we can we talk dentistry if you want but i, I defer to joni first yeah. she had something okay. she wanted to add okay sorry oh no i was just i was just gonna say that like we learn through pain and mm. and mm. i always feel like we we have ways that let us know to start shoring up some areas of our health and we either heed the call or we don't. Yeah, and right. you always end up 
learning the lesson if you don't. So, you know, getting ahead of it before actually, you know, it hits the fan is, is always the primary preventative proactive approach. And um, that was a callback in the business to the coffee enema talking about hitting the fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's Look always at, promoting, always promoting. The I new am business. always, always going there. <laughs> Um, Look at Ula's comment, yeah. what, what she did for pain related to you who want to go dentistry, dental stuff, uh, Kratom CBD. And, and, and Elijah, my son, when he had the, the root canal, uh, not root, I'm sorry. The, the, uh, the, I know. I was like, what? That, no, that no. would not happen in the Robert Scott the, Bell family. The, the, the wisdom teeth thing, right? Yes. Removed. And he, other than the you know, Novocaine or whatever, what they inject him with, afterwards, he never even took a Tylenol or any of, the, any of those things. And he was on the CBD and Kratom and made it through a little discomfort, but he made it through. And that's an extreme case perhaps, but it, it, it worked. And Ula is saying it worked for her a lot about the pain issue. So uh, look, whatever gets you there, if you don't get addicted to it and die from it, that's what I, you know, I'm supporting yeah. you, Ula, of course. So but what was it? Uh, go ahead. Dentistry. He was talking yeah, dentistry. Okay. This is part of my health journey. See, <laughs> talking so about we're this. just really, we're <laughs> just uncovering. You got a health coach, you have a homeopath, you know, you got we're supposed to be talking about license plate there. readers and surveillance this is, this and AI. Totally, but... This is socialized medicine on the Robert Scavell <laughs> show for Michael Bolden. <laughs> I feel like I got two experts to talk to here. I'm going to I'm going to lean in every chance I get and super Don with the paper coffee enemas might chime in as well. But I also paper, think, you know, that's the first time in my life, paper coffee enemas. But, you know, I recently told my daughter to to um, do the paper homeopathy and mm-hmm. put it in the sun and let it get the get the, um, you know, magnetism and the energy from the sun into the water and then drink it. Like I just had this conversation. This so is cool. That's funny. So, uh, by, and real quick, uh, Joni, uh, we've got the Red Pill Expo, G. Edward Griffin and, and crew coming to Des Moines, yes. Iowa. How far are you from yes. Des Moines? A couple hours, two and a half hours. So I'm right. there. I'm Didn't there like we, yesterday. Did we go to Des Moines together and meet uh, with uh, Jeffrey Smith? Uh, what was that? We, we, went we went to Fairfield. We went to Fairfield. Fairfield. That's it. Iowa. Yeah. Yes. Okay. When you were in town, that was 2016. We went and visited Jeffrey. That's right. So I, I just wanted to see that you would be there at the event. And I'm, I'm I trying. will be there. OK, I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> with the down. idea of bringing my daughter, Ari, Ariana, with me oh, on that trip. So please, maybe she'll Ari, and we'll sing together. I, I would love fun. that. Oh, okay. my God. I would love and, that. And of course, for local events, Michael Bolden, uh, the Cancer Control Society in Glendale, uh, Labor Day weekend. So I'm going to see my pals one way or another. Yes, Absolutely. So, uh, Michael, you were talking about dentistry being a part of your journey. And then, yeah. and then let's get into some AI talk because okay, cool, cool. it just makes me – anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, so I've been for quite some time like looking to actually go to a dentist for the first time in ages. Mm. And uh, so I learned from Robert about IAOMT certification. Yes. And I recently moved out of L- L.A. proper into the suburbs. And there are two certified master IAOMT dentists very close by. One of them is also a Swiss concept dentist. Are you guys familiar with this? No. It's a concept. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a holistic approach, biological dentistry. He's one of only two with the certification in the whole United States. I was wondering if you guys were familiar with the concept. Wow, I'm not. I'm going to put it. It sounds in, like 
like taking organic and going to biodynamic. That's what it sent. I sense energy here in that regard. So it could be good. I'm going to put something in our private chat here and maybe. Okay. If I'm also looking this up right now because this is very fascinating. So um, what is your, what is your conclusion on this? Um, I, I don't know. I was wondering if I should go to the more expensive biological dentist <laughs> or the other <laughs> IAOMT certified one. And I was leaning towards more expensive, but uh, not if I don't need to. Doesn't, yeah, that doesn't always mean, you know, true, but you do want true. somebody with a lot of experience. And I already like that they're using an implant and after a tooth extraction instead of a root canal. Oh, you pulled um, up that link. Yep, I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you. yeah, this guy's hardcore in a good way. Um, but it doesn't mean the others might not be for you. I, this is the thing about dentists. You know, one person could rave about the same dentist that you want to kill. Yeah. But honestly, it's just that way about dentistry. So you really got to take the moment to feel it, that energy, and feel if it's compatible and bioidentical for you. Well, what I've noticed when looking at reviews from normies on these more holistic dentists is that the only negative reviews always tend to be either about, well, they don't take insurance or they want me to get all these scans and get a whole picture. I just want to go in for a cleaning or something like that. And I actually like the idea if I'm going to go and start a new process of having them look through my entire health history, my entire way I'm living and trying to address it. I like the fact that the dentist that I sent to you guys and then the other one that I'm comparing with also uh, talk about linking other issues you may be having. Like they have this kind of tooth map and point out like, oh, uh, molar number 18 could be tied to issues in your lumbar spine at L5, which is exactly where I have an issue. I was just going to ask which lumbar spine it was that was herniated. I have yeah. L L5-S1. And so both of them uh, have things like that on their website as well. Anyways, that, I know that's a total side note, but. No, I, it's not. No, it's take advantage of the chance to talk about this. Well, it's all inclusive. So when you look at the traditional Chinese medicine uh, mouth chart, and you look at the dentistry chart as as you relate it to the acupuncture meridians in the body, yeah. everything's connected. And and as you may or may not have heard, like women who get root canals and some of their lower molars have more increased chance of breast cancer. Oh, I have so, not heard that. Yeah, That's yeah, incredible. because root canals uh, create a, a space for bacteria to live and thrive, and actually, can you can get sepsis from a wow. um, a dental procedure? You know, so it's really important. Our mouth health, our whole bo body structure and organs are are connected directly to our mouth. Mm -hmm. Every organ, every functioning system is in our mouth. If you See if, I'm, I'm gonna see if I can pull up that chart and then send it to everyone. Yeah, hey, Super Don, if you don't mind sharing that link that uh, Michael put out for that particular dentist because yeah. people are asking like, Ula, what is this Swiss concept dentistry? So they yeah. can look at that site and, and explore it. Maybe there are others, but you said there's only two in America. There's always somebody that has to take it to another level. <laughs> and it's like, it usually annoys the people that were top of the field that somebody's going, oh, oh, no, 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 don't go there, you know, but look, there's a resonant frequency associated with life and, and, and again, interacting with various practitioners, doctors, whether they be allopathically dental trained or not, Yeah. that uh, I, I like having this out there to kind of go, oh, I did not know if somebody's taking it to that level. And that could be something that you, you gravitate to for, for, for very good results related, as you point out, 
uh, tooth and lumbar, you know, and sacrum. Uh, how is it related? Could they have found something there that needs to be cleaned up and that'll clear that thing that's a mystery that you've done so much and, and you have improved, but there's something that's lingering. So I, I think this is terrific. Well, if I end up going with this guy, well, whatever I end up doing, I'm going to report back on my progress and all the things that I'm learning. I, you know, to me, it's kind of exciting th to be able to talk about the things that I'm going through personally on this show, even though it has nothing to do with my day-to-day -day work that I normally got to do, because I think it's I a great chance for other Michael. people to kind of learn who may be experiencing mm -hmm. similar things. Absolutely. Yes. And I don't think that they're necessarily separate because one No, no, true. True. I agree. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. So um, some things I want to cover with you, and I know, Joni, you talk about uh, maybe some Bobby Kennedy on the censorship yep. hearings. That was fascinating. Also, AI stuff as well. So, uh, Joni, I'm going to defer to you as far as what you'd like to cover. I know Superdon said there might be a clip or two if we want to play. You played some last hour. but And I'm in uh, on whatever you guys want to talk about. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, let's just get right into it. I mean, by the way, I did want to mention, and I didn't get a chance to sneak this in with Barbara Lowe Fisher, but that Children's Health Defense published the Vaxxed Unvaxxed study that was the paper that was founded um, in Open Sage, Sage Open Medicine, Volume 8 in 2020. Hooker, uh, Brian, Dr. Brian Hooker and Neil Z. Miller published the analysis of health outcomes in the vaccinated and unvaccinated children and developmental delays, asthma, ear infections, and gastrointestinal disorders. And they just came out with that book. Um, they made that study a book, which is fascinating. Um, and I actually used that study in my, the New York Supreme Court case that I did for the forced vaccination case so that I, cool. I was working on. So yeah, I'm so glad that they made that a book. And I wanted to make sure that I, I just put that out there for listeners to know that they can support uh, that study because there is now a vaxxed, unvaxxed study. Unfortunately, not done by our government, but uh, there is that study and the book is out now. So I think it's important to get that. And then uh, moving into and segueing into Robert Kennedy Jr. Let's play a couple more clips, Don. Let's play one of those clips. It was his hearing um, at the Judiciary Subcommittee on censorship, on the weaponization of our federal government on censorship as they were trying to censor him from testifying yesterday. We need to start being kind to each other. We need to start being respectful to each other. We need to start restoring the comedy to this chamber and, and to the rest of America, but it has to start here. My uncle, Edward Kennedy, has more legislation with his name on it than any senator in United States history. Why is that? Because he was able to reach across the aisle. Because he didn't deal in insults. Because he didn't try to censor people. He brought home people who were antithetical to, to what he believed in. He came home almost every weekend with people like Orrin Hatch to our house at the compound in Hyannisport. At that time, Orrin Hatch to me was like Darth Vader. Because I was an environmentalist, and I was saying, why, why is Teddy bringing this guy home? But he knew that he was effective because he understood that comedy and respect and kindness and compassion and empathy for other people is the way that we have the only way to restore the function in this, in this chamber. But more importantly, today we need to give an example in the leadership of our country of being respectful to each other. 
Can I throw in a quote from Benjamin Franklin? I would love, I, I was either that I was waiting for that or Thomas Jefferson. So I mean, <laughs> Franklin, I think he was 16 or 20 years old. So a, just a very young man, much brighter than most of us today said, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. So to Franklin, the first step to create and creating a totalitarian government is just subduing freeness of speech, not totally even shutting it down. And I think we're certainly in that place today, if not much further. So it's Agreed. it was it was fascinating to see some of this. I did not watch the whole thing, but every time I've heard or seen a clip about this, it is just incredible to see these types of things being brought up. There's another clip on uh, uh, from this hearing, and, and you know I don't know you, Joni. You played a couple uh, last hour when I was in the car heading here, uh, but you know one of the things that was astonishing to see uh, these Democrats working to censor. Bobby Kennedy in a hearing on censorship and and not seeing the irony of it. I, I just it's like, you know, so clueless about uh, the, the, what's happening right now and how it's being perceived. I, maybe they don't care. I don't know. But it's astonishing to see how overt this has become. Yeah, they um, you know, the, the whole thing needs an enema, in my opinion, the whole <laughs> The whole thing. I now mean, that's you're talking quote. my you're language. Quoting, so now you're quoting Benjamin Franklin. I'm going to quote uh, the Joker played by Jack Nicholson <laughs> nice. in the 90s. Yes. When he's like, this town needs an enema. I feel that whole way about government. I feel yeah. that whole way about Congress. Yeah. Like, like it, there is stale old concepts and mindsets. And there are uh, there's a rigidness and a callous disregard for basic humanity. And I have zero tolerance for that in my life. I do. I just, I'm like, like out, get them out, whatever we have to do, because we have to usher in a new era. Um, and it's more, I think it's more than just kindness. You know, I mean, Kennedy's right. Uh, this, the curiosity of learning is something he covered on his interview with Joe Rogan. And I think the curiosity about why people think what they think and what their thought process is and what they're basing it on. I mean, we aren't even allowed to have those conversations anymore. Mm -hmm. Somebody posts something online and it's instantly, um, you know, keyboard warrior attacks or the shadow banning on Facebook, the shadow banning of these platforms on social media that, that, completely censor the ability to have an open conversation. So in essence, nobody really learns how to have an open conversation anymore. You know, there it's, it's not being modeled at family dinner tables or homes. It's not being modeled how to have people who think differently than you in the same room and, and really kind of, you know, get down to the heart of the debate, find out what the key issues are and, and, place facts and truth in order to then readjust one's belief system. That is all completely void in, most of our lives today now the founding generation did warn us this is exactly what would happen george washington in his farewell address uh, mercy otis warren the great historian of the american revolution thomas jefferson uh got her book uh the rise progress and termination of the american revolution and gave it to his whole cabinet for example 
they told us that the more centralized the power is in a government, the more that you would have this type of a scenario where people divide into factions. Factions, Noah Webster told us, this faction or party first mentality is the greatest uh, threat to the cause of truth and liberty. And that's because when you have a one-size-fits-all solution on anything and everything, then every single issue the most minute issue becomes a national one and it's a fight to the death and that's why instead of elections every couple of years we have a kind of a low-grade civil war where one side tries to destroy the other they don't care about the truth they don't care that uh they're using censorship in an anti-censorship hearing i mean the absurdity of it all it just never never ends and i think it'll only get worse as long as people keep going to the entity that has created all these problems that is the central the largest government in the the history of the planet, the largest empire in the history of the planet, if they go to that entity to try to convince that entity to solve the problems that were created by them in the first place, it's only going to keep getting worse. I agree. I agree. Do, um, there was there was some, another thought I had, but it just left me. So we can go on to another clip and I'll come back around, I promise. If you think I said something that's anti-Semitic, let's talk about the details. I'm telling you all the things that I'm accused of right now by you. And in this letter are distortions, they're misrepresentations. I, said, I didn't say those things. There's fragments that I said, but I denounce anybody who, is, who uses the words that I have said to imply something that is negative about people who are Jewish. I never said those things. And I want to point out also, that the chairman pointed to Dennis Kucinich is fighting behind me. There is no two people in, in the country who feel differently about, more differently about American politics than these two people. <laughs> and yet they were friends. Dennis attended his children's basketball games, attended his daughter's wedding. This is what we need, how we need to start treating each other in this country. We have to stop trying to destroy each other, to marginalize, to vilify, to gaslight each other. We have to find that place inside of ourselves of light, of empathy, of compassion. And above all, we need to elevate the Constitution of the United States, which was written for hard times. And that has to be the premier compass for all of our activities. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Wow. Are, are we setting the bar so low? Because, I mean, that is quite refreshing. And, you know, we've talked about it in the Ron Paul era, how he had, you know, made friends with folks, you know, that were diametrically opposed on many things and found the common ground and worked there. And those examples are few and far between. Um, kind of like what I love to do on this show, like with the Sunday conversations that have evolved, find out what makes a person tick. Why do they believe what they believe? For me, it's a fascinating journey. And every once in a while, when we have someone that disagrees, to be able to have a cordial conversation and even go away in disagreement still and be pals, be friends. Uh, that's something that is uh, certainly not there, as you point out, uh, historically, uh, you know, about how, how this centralized bureaucracy would devolve into the faction scenario. And that there, there, there are examples out there. We know people. Maybe we are those people. We're seeing Bobby Kennedy attempting to do that on a stage that we haven't seen in a long time or if forever. And, uh, you know, I'm fascinated by what you guys think will be the outcome. As you said, Michael, you expect this to get worse before it gets better. Oh, yep, I do. I mean, I'm kind of a cynic. I'm kind of a cynic in the short term. Uh, because, I mean, if you think about it, 
We can read the Declaration of Independence. I know most people really haven't. Uh, we can understand where those principles come from, from Cicero and Aristotle and Locke and Algernon Sidney. But no one knows what those principles are. So even if, even among the people, well, very few, even among the people who want to do the right thing and move things forward, we have a serious education problem. I mean, the government-run schools, cradle to grave, have been just destroying uh, the views of, of humanity. And I think it's, gonna, it's not going to be easy to go from where we, again, from where we are today, which is the largest government, the largest empire in the history of the world, with a military establishment in 180 countries around the world, to turn that around. Uh, Jefferson, if we're going to talk Jefferson, he says, we're not going to get from despotism to liberty in a feather bed. That doesn't mean it's going to be a physical battle, but uh, it's going to take a lot of work or Samuel Adams told us, fortitude, patience, and perseverance. We have to keep pushing forward, no matter what the odds are, whether they're stacked against us or not, it's up to people to morally do what's right. Well, right. and that moral ground, though, is always muddied. Yes. I mean, yes. right? I mean, we're, we're here, we're, we're you're <laughs> quoting the forefathers, and it's like, the, what was their moral ground compared to what, like, even, you know, Democratic and Republican moral ground is because I have issues on both sides. You know, yeah, I am not. I, I see issues on both sides, so it's it's really interesting to to say what's moral and what's not moral now, and who gets to be the judge on that, who's making that judgment call. Well, and everyone I, has I, to have that judgment, right? Correct. I mean, and, yeah. and and I end up leaning more towards like making my own sovereign choices Yes. for, you know, my own self, which is where like nullification. <laughs> Speaking my in. language there. Speaking my language. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the segues as we're like, <laughs> no, no, know, no. You're doing my job for me. <laughs> so good. I can sit back and have a snack. <laughs> <laughs> With your one tooth, that's going to be biological yeah, dentist. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> So uh, I don't know if there were any other clips, um, and I hope I didn't stray off too far off of what you were trying to uh, get at, Robert, and kind of you know hone it back in nope. the next nine minutes before we're done today. No, the, these are some of the topics I was curious for both for, to hear from both of you on, and uh, like I said, it is genuinely refreshing to see Bobby Kennedy yeah. speaking what he's speaking. Yeah. And, uh, I, I sense a great sincerity in the man. I've watched him over the years since, you know, great suspicion other than he has a genuine track record in terms of environmental causes that, that don't go into uh, the corruption and, and, and totalitarian communism, even as he might believe differently about the environment when it comes to global warming, climate change issues. He has said specifically he believes in market approaches, which is just like, what, are you a Democrat? I guess maybe there was a time in history that they might have had that idea, that level of at least some semblance of paying lip service to freedom, if he means it, I sense, uh, I sense a sincerity, if you will. But uh, then again, the question is, as we witness things like this, and we've, ha we've witnessed things along the way, and you know, I remember our dear friend, Liam Sheff, always comes up. We think about him a lot here. I do. And I know you do, Joni. And, and Michael, you knew him as well. And, um, you know, he, he would talk about, I remember when Vax the, from Cover Up to Catastrophe came out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a watershed moment. And Liam just threw the wet blanket on it, said it's not going to really change much. And he was right in the big scheme of things. Now, what has changed more is the COVID thing, because it made an impact to, to just 
everybody instead of a small uh, group of people. But uh, still, like I said, the impact of seeing it, it's not without impact. I won't say that. That's not the cynicism I'm going to carry forward. I don't know if, Michael, you're carrying it to that degree because it is having an impact. But is it the, oh, my gosh, watershed moment, this election cycle, everything's solved? I don't believe that either. Yeah, I just don't think there is a silver bullet. People who try to sell a silver bullet are generally snake oil salesmen. But again, it's fortitude, perseverance, person by person, brick by brick, state by state, issue by issue. Uh, that's really how, I mean, it's a grassroots kind of bottom-up approach. If it's a top-down, just get the right dude in office, get the right people to run it, and then you st still leave the power structures in place, even if you get the right, even if you get a perfect person right. in uh, office yeah. the right dude the right woman in charge it doesn't matter in the long run because at best all they can do is the right thing for a period of time and as long as the power structures that are causing the problems the cdc the fda the atf the dea as long as they still exist someone is going to be drawn to that some sociopath is going to be drawn to all that power and want to use it in ways that are terrible and that's really what keeps happening that's why i, I mean well we yeah. don't have all that much time left no we don't no. but you know i i look at i look at light you know, I think I've learned to measure things more spiritually over the mm. course of several years now at this point and look at how when you look at it from a, a more spiritual perspective and you're weighing it in light and dark versus the polarity of, you know, Republican, Democrat, independent, libertarian, like when you start to look at who's making light choices in alignment with the things that are, are bringing light and truth and goodness and love forward versus who who has the agenda to you know i don't know wipe out all the farmland and inject everybody you know like like the mandates and the more totalitarian aspects and the more oppressive constrictive you know and this is i liam actually taught me that concept about looking and leaning towards things that were more expansive or more constrictive and and we had many many discussions on that with governments and history from around the world like all the time we talked about things like this so yeah it's uh i i tend to measure things a lot differently than i don't know i can't say most people but but that's just kind of a measuring stick and how i'm i'm learning to to look at things because i do realize the limitations that we have in place um with the influences of pharma pharma money the influences of of um agendas yeah, I saw RFK talking about how it was, I think he keeps citing a number of 75% of advertising revenue on basically on old school TV is pharma. I wonder if that's, I mean, mm -hmm. I know he uh, footnotes everything, but I have not seen that. Particularly on the, on the 24 hour news shows and the daytime kind of things that draw certain crowds in, it is that significant 75, even 80% you can see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Those are those are some of my deeper thoughts today. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Deep thoughts with Joni Abbott. I know, right? Yeah. So we're we're about out of time here. And uh, Michael, you did great considering the no AC thing. I, 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 it's honestly. It's. I mean, I've got a fan blowing on my lower area. <laughs> yeah, I was. You know what I pictured? This little foot-powered fan that you're like somehow generating. <laughs> In my, it's like Gilligan's Island. Yeah. So I'm actually not doing 
terrible. He's doing a half workout while he's talking to us right now. And I keep chugging water, so I'm I'm functional. Yeah, I was thinking if we got 30 minutes out of you today. I thought so too. I was worried about that. Like if it was really hot, the sun is not bearing down on my windows right now. I've got all the blinds closed, so it's dark man cave style. So I'm functional. Awesome. And and uh, please give my love to Sarah. Yes, always do. Please give my yeah. love to Sarah. I haven't seen or spoken to either of you in a quite a time, quite a while. So thank you. I, I know she'll send her love back to hug. both of you yeah. for sure. Give her a big hug. <laughs> I will. Yeah. And uh, Super D, get back in here for a moment as we wrap up because I, I know uh, that uh, Michael said he wouldn't be able to do much of a bonus round. It's going to be short. I I, I kind of want. I'm do doing. Just a, I'm doing okay. I can stick around. Okay, for a little so bit. we're gonna yeah. we'll come back after this and do a debrief on what just happened on this show with, <laughs> without me being here for at least half of it. Look what has happened and how great it is. And uh, Super D, anything else before we wrap up and come back for bonus? Um, just one last thing. Yeah. <laughs> needs an enema. Hey, we're back. It's the bonus round, and Michael Bolden's still here. That makes it super bonus. Double bonus. And and Joni, triple bonus. It's incredible. Hey, what you, is- you, don't, you don't waste a bathroom break when you can go on. <laughs> no, heck no. Um, actually, I'm I strapped just out- in right here. I don't even have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my, he's foot, wearing, my he's foot pump fan. And right. I, yeah. <laughs> They're starting to set up for the lecture at, that I'm doing. And, I, and I'm debating whether to break the fast before the lecture. If I've got enough energy to get a second wind, I might take a dose of our Seneca album. I did that many years ago on a, a, a jet lag scenario. And I was like three hours later, they're like, what happened to you? You were dead to the world. And suddenly, you know, this happened. So I'm, I'm weighing that out as we go uh, into the what next time phase do you start? Of the day. And you start in what, 30 uh, minutes? Yeah, apparently it's a it's a five thirty. Uh, let's see, what time zone am I in? I'm on your time zone. <laughs> you're you're Eastern on now, Eastern right? time. No, oh, you're I'm on Eastern. Eastern. Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. Five five thirty Eastern. Do you time have an zone. organic juice you can break the fast with? Yeah, probably so. Yeah, that's a good idea. I would say that. Or yeah. how long have you been fasting? Well, I just usually do a twenty four hour. Uh, you oh, know, okay. For the Fridays, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no. a, a nice green Probably. juice. Your liver's gonna love you. Yeah. All right. I, I'm I'm leaning that way then. So uh, anyway, Super D, what do you think, Mr. Producer? Put on your producer hat and say, the show was way better without me here, wasn't it? Admit it. Acknowledge it. You're here. (laughs) Michael didn't take much (laughs) twisting of arms. (laughs) Everybody loves Joni, as I I know. That's the the sitcom. Everybody loves Joni. What a cool surprise. Yeah. I love you guys. Thank you so much. It was, it's super fun. Super Mm -hmm. fun. And Don, you know, he was talking about, well, you know, hope he literally, before you called in, he was like, God, I hope something didn't happen to Robert. And I was like, A, horrible thought. B, <laughs> uh-huh. then I said, well, it looks like it's our show now. <laughs> so, well, it was just, it was, it was almost showtime. Like, you know, I haven't heard anything from, from Ryan. I have no idea what's going on. So, yeah. I was not m- much of an outreach mode. I just, I was in survival uh, mode. I get it. Dude, you're yeah. doing good, though. You're doing good yeah. for sleeping on the airport floor last night yeah i don't know if you'd call it sleep but i think that i might have winked off nodded off what do they call it, it, it you know for a few minutes here and there but again i remember just rolling over and it's like your bony protrusions like i i, I wanted to be really much bigger so that i wouldn't be uh, all that gravity oh, on i, no that I, can I do too yeah. it's all <laughs> i got all extra there 
Well, uh, Joni, we've talked a little bit about that history that you've had because, you know, you mentioned 10 years ago, and, and I don't know that you would recognize yourself. And I don't mean physically necessarily, but you have gone through some major physical changes because of the emotional, mental, and spiritual work that you've done despite all of the physical work that you had been doing that wasn't yeah. resulting in it. You know, we, we've talked about some of the transformation being energetic than manifesting physically, yes. despite all the physical focus. Yeah, yeah, I did a lot. I mean, I've lost 100 pounds. So in 10 wow. years, I've lost 100 pounds, yeah. And How long it, did it take of the 10 years? Um, well, I lost 85 in the first four months after Ooh. I left my ex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I started, you know, feeling better and I was eating more plant-based at that time. Um, really, you know, started dancing again. Like I started giving myself permission to live my life yeah. in a way that I had suppressed or had been oppressed as well in an abusive marriage. And I was so fearful of not truly living life yeah. that like, I just went for it. I'm like, I'm going to do all the things. Well, then hello, adrenal burnout again, because I had already <laughs> had it once. So then, you know, I don't half ass anything. I whole ass it. And I got the ass to prove it is what I tell people. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just started doing all the things on top of career. And then, you know, I was my own paralegal in the divorce. And that was its own massive stress. Exactly. And then raising children and them going from homeschool to public school, which was not my, uh, was not something I had wanted for them, you know? So it was, it was all of these things happening all at once and my body was shutting down again. So I would, I would fluctuate in my weight. And then this last year, um, I knocked off the final 40 pounds. Wow, then kept it off. So yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm still not done healing. I'm still going to be doing some candida protocols and mm -hmm. heavy metal detoxes using food and um, juicing is a really great mechanism for that coffee. I don't know, can't say it enough mm -hmm. uh, to yes. help just eliminate the toxins, you know? Yeah, Sarah went through a candida protocol maybe 10, 15 years, a long time ago, but yeah. it, took her, it took her about three years. She's always kind of cognizant of uh, concern for candida overgrowth coming back. So it's just kind of on her mind. I think she might be susceptible to it. She had pancreatitis sure. some years ago as oh, well. Yeah. So, well, so, inflammation, but, copper is in a fungal and a parasitic as well. Uh, come back to that mineral again, overlooked. And it's a simple thing that normally would occur in certain foods that we are not eating, or even if we are, they're not there as much, you know. So coming back to refining our approach, and that's a weird word to say it, but, you know, as we try things, we learn things, we apply things, and new things can happen. Breakthroughs can occur. And Joni, with your history, like I said, I know how much you were working on so many things. And I know the, the breakthroughs weren't necessarily physiological because you had yeah. done so much right and good in that terms of supporting that. And it was those other energetic components of your existence. Yeah. So it goes to show, I mean, yeah, like you can, you can non-GMO organic eat your way out of, you know, out of many health issues. Not to say that that doesn't have its benefit. Mm -hmm. For me, it was too much. It was like too much. It was just like there was so much happening that I was on an energetic crazy train, so to speak, of like it was a runaway train and life was happening at me and to me, mm. but I was not I was not operating in my own sovereignty. I was not in a space of know thyself. I was, you know, and and really that that principle was the direct connect to me finding my own liberty 
even though I thought I was already a liberty minded person, which I was, I was already in the health freedom movement, but there were childhood traumas and there were things in my life that had happened that energetically set up a pattern for other things to play out in my life, for me to marry a a narcissist, for me to be endure physical and emotional and spiritual and financial abuse at at all levels. You know, there was something in me that not only attracted that, but it was like a, it was like a, a setup pattern. So how did you, you know, I had to learn to break that and I had to learn to break the patterning of abusive mindsets in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, like, whereas those were the dominating forces in my mind, not necessarily healthy thoughts, not necessarily healthy outcomes um, or, or healthy thoughts about myself, about life. I didn't have that modeled for me. So by the time I made it to my 30s and 40s, I always tell everybody I made all the I spent all of my 30s digging out of the decisions I made in my 20s. And so here I am, 40s and mid 40s. Now I'm like, okay, I'm really living now. Like I am 20 years old. You cannot tell me otherwise. Give it another 10 years. It'll be even more amazing. Yes. I I can't wait because I just feel like every year that goes by, I'm, I'm like coming up for more and more air and I'm, and I'm discovering this new, new passion for myself, my health, my children's health, our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, like everything just keeps bubbling up to the surface and, and spilling over in a, and just a healthier way, not to overuse the word health here, but it's just, you know, it's, it's such a vibrant way to wake up to life and really get into it. And um, so I'm, it's an adventure. Like today, who would have thought yesterday? I had no idea that today I'd be surrendering to the question, hey, will you host the show tomorrow while I'm on vacation? Absolutely. Yes, I know. And you you embraced it. And uh, I know that this audience embraces you as I do. Oh, and you guys are Michael, great. So. Uh, by the way, if you want a botanical breakthrough in the healing ceiling, if you've hit that level, uh, we've got the Red Pill Expo. We've got also the Cancer Control Society coming up, as well as the Biomed Expo in Las Vegas. And all of three of these things, we're going to see Bobri Oren, my friend, originally from Georgia when it was under Soviet control, went to Israel, came to America, brought this botanical blend. It's food. It's blend of botanicals. It's not synthetic. And that was the counteract Chernobyl radiation level exposure. Yeah. And it is proving to be phenomenal when people are like, they hit that ceiling and they get on the Folium products, the Folium PX, it breakthrough. So Folium PX is the original, the Folium Immuno and the Folium Relax. You guys get that, use the code RSP10 and get 10% off and get, report back to me on how you're doing because I've been hearing more and more breakthroughs and I want people to get those breakthroughs in the ceiling uh, to their healing. Break it. Have through. I met Bobri? I don't think you've met Bobri yet. Not I think in probably- Culver City. Not, we did not. No, I don't believe so yet because he's, he's kind of newer on the scene, although um, you, you, will, you will enjoy him when you meet him because he's, he's a freedom guy. You know, anybody that's lived under the Soviet Union he looks at Americans and goes, you Americans are crazy. You have <laughs> yeah, no yeah. idea. I've had, yeah. I've had yeah. ex-Soviet bloc cab drivers over the years laugh. Oh, you Americans, you know, we had Pravda, but we knew it was all propaganda. But you guys, you believe what your you news people what tell you. Yeah. And, so he'll be there at the Cancer Control Society in Glendale. So we'll probably oh, cool. see you that weekend uh, in L.A. area as well. So nice. I've got to get ready for this, uh, uh, whatever I'm doing, a lecture. <laughs> and then I've got one Sunday morning. I'm doing the breakfast meeting for the Maho. And I'm going to talk a lot about copper there for the health food uh, crowd and more. And uh, Super Don, thanks for, man, bringing it with Joni the first hour and bringing Barbara Low Fisher as well. And then 
having Bolden, uh, the bonus of Bolden for more than 30 minutes is like, wow, you know, I don't want to take you for Bolden. I love yeah. it. I, I don't want to take, I don't want to take it, him for granted because, you know, we've been after him forever to be regular and, and somehow this calendar. I am year, very like, regular. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, he's going to start talking we'll uh, be even chia more seeds again. Go in month, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Ula says, you're an absolute star, Joni. And, oh, she, and she's Ula, right. Thank you so much, you guys. <laughs> I've had such a blast being here with you again. And, and like I said, I really feel like it was the divine uh, divine invitation to be here. Because, yeah. So yeah. If, if you're getting that, what, what do you call that it? Itch? Is it a, that itch or whatever? <laughs> like I said, it's been a long time. But, you know, if this is something, you know, we could do um, somewhat regular i don't know just thinking about it um but anyway i appreciate it so much because it was a weird yesterday to today to get here and you made it i'm awesome. so glad that i was able to do it that i was able to accommodate don it's so good to see you in your big old ponytail <laughs> i was like i hadn't seen don for a while so it was really cool yep unreal so michael bolden beautiful i'm super regular <laughs> <laughs> my cheeks hurt you guys from smiling and laughing so much awesome. my cheeks are actually sore that's uh, good but it's yeah super great to good see kind of sore. myself all right well wrap right. it up take us to the is it the weekend yeah, i got work to do i know yeah. it's friday it yeah. does not feel like friday you, you made but, it through uh, we made it through and next week i'm going to be going to uh branson missouri to tape with jim baker remember the ptl thing and we're going to talk nitric oxide to his audience, which is maybe wow. millions large still. So it's wild stuff happening. I just scratch my head and go, eh, this is weird, but just roll <laughs> with it. Just go with it. So here we go. So thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, right. guys. You're and the best. And just, just real quick, Robert. So mm -hmm. Sunday we'll have yep. uh, interviews that you're going to do there. Yes, I'm going to try to find some Sunday conversations here at this event okay. record tomorrow for Sunday. So we'll definitely have right. some uh, new conversations for Sunday's show. So be Sounds on the lookout good. for that. Back live on Monday. Yeah. God All bless right. y'all. Thank Have you. Have a good day. Have a beautiful day, everyone.